Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Footy Prime, the podcast, presents the Weekend Rap Show. A new era at Manchester United. Another show for you to start a new month. I'm Brendan Dunlop. Very happy to be joined by the host of the show, James Charbet. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, B. Excellent to join you once again on this Monday morning. And I'm missing Forrest. We are. But uh, hey, we'll, we'll find a way through this. That's why I didn't set you up as the guest, because technically you're the official co-host in that official co-host seat that Craig Forrest is usually in, but he's busy. So I'm no longer just the, the the guest of the show. I'm now actually you've won promotion. Yeah, you t- today you are the co-host of the show that you usually host. That's all it. right. I like it. Yeah, it's like being the assistant to the assistant manager or something. <laughs> the great thing is, is that in this situation, you have no idea where I'm going to go. Like I could lead with MLS Cup playoffs. I could lead with <laughs> please don't the Canadian <laughs> Premier League. It's got a new champion. Hey, come on, Pacific. We will get to that. Yeah, Pacific FC. If you missed it, uh, upsetting Forge FC at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, the first time that Forge was able to host the final at home and they come up short 1-0. Let's talk about another 1-0 result first because Manchester United have a lot of the attention and the Ralph uh, Ragnick era has started with a victory. And uh, the big news on Monday morning is he has a new member of his coaching staff that MLS fans, and particularly Toronto FC fans, will know and be shocked to see that Chris Armas will be on the Manchester United touchline as of next week. Didn't that shock you? I mean, it, it does make sense if you, if you think that Obviously, when at Red Bull, um, Randick was overseeing the whole Red Bull operation, attacking the world, right? So <laughs> he, he knew all about Armas. Armas bought into his philosophies, and he's going to be a coach. I think he's going to be basically Michael Carrick, right? Yes. I guess in some capacity. So he can implement what Randick wants on the training field. But still, it seems, it does seem a bit of a surprise. I mean, I don't think we saw this coming, did we? No. I mean, I think if you said, Possible headlines post uh, firing from Toronto FC. If he took over FC Cincinnati from Yap Stam, I would have said, yeah, possible. If you know, if he was uh, detained for constant his constant pursuits of uh, of Clark Kent, <laughs> I think Lex I think, Luthor. Anything he looks like Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get it because you think there's a comparison between Chris Armas <laughs> and Lex Luthor, right? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, this is. I think this is definitely what you would consider landing on your feet. Yeah, you say that's true. Yeah, from being fired after twelve games at TFC and then becoming an assistant coach at Manchester United, not bad. Good for him. The other side of the coin to to use that phrase would be failing upwards, is what <laughs> some people would say. But uh, but yeah, I'm not taking any shots at him. I mean, um, it, it didn't work out in Toronto, and that's there's a lot of factors for why it didn't work out in Toronto, and that's the case with coaching. 
it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't always work in certain situations. Um, but here's a guy who, you know, came in with a respected pedigree, obviously looks at the game a little bit different than, than other managers. Pretty amazing that he went from, from teaching Ayo Akinola how to press and now he's going to be teaching Cristiano Ronaldo how to press. Well, I wonder if this now, um, pours water over the, the Josie Altador to Manchester United rumors, <laughs> which I just started now. The beginning and the end that quick on a Monday morning <laughs> show. But in that game against Palace, did you notice that they pressed differently? Oh, they did, yeah. I mean, the formation was weird, right? That's 4-2-2-2 kind of thing with Ronaldo and Rashford up top. And, and they, they definitely were more aggressive. Yeah. They were pressing for sure. But, I mean, like he said, I mean, they only had like one session together on the field. Uh, they had video sessions and meetings. But, yeah, they looked different. I mean, Ronaldo, I thought, pressed a fair bit. Not all the time, right? But he looked really up for it. And I thought it was... I wouldn't say interesting. I expected to see him start the first game for Ragnik, but um, I think Ragnik really is hoping that Ronaldo buys in and, and is an example to the rest of that team because if he presses, they're all going to press, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought perhaps late in the game, fitness may be an issue as well. I mean, that's a different style entirely to what they're used to. For Ronaldo specifically or for the whole team? For the whole team. I mean, Ronaldo's a freak, right? I mean, listen, he's probably the fittest person in the world, but... I mean, that's a lot to ask a team to suddenly start doing. We've seen other teams do it, and then they struggle late in games until they get those levels up. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure fitness will be a big part of what he's trying to implement at that team for the next few months. I think with Ronaldo specifically, because this is something that you and I have argued about before, where I say, you know, it's strategic. Like, he does press, and there there are moments where he will, you know, even kind of dash across the field and, and surprise you. As a whole, there will be much less room on the pitch in general. And I think you'll see... Ronaldo is able to press uh, more intensely because of how compact it all is, how, and how much how much farther forward every, everyone is. The the eight second rule of you got to win the ball back with eight seconds. They're all buying into that intensity. You're going to see, I think, Ronaldo fit into that system more. You know, it, it matches the way he naturally tr- tries to press in that setup. If he believes he can win the ball back, he'll press. If he doesn't, he doesn't. He's definitely, I mean, he's still explosive, right? And we still see that in his game. So if they're winning the ball higher up the field, it could benefit him for sure. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's, he's a selective runner these days and he knows when to run and when not to run. And, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, there's no reason why he can't buy and why he shouldn't buy in just because he hasn't generally in his career been that player. He's smart enough. He's certainly fit enough. And I know he's 30, almost 37. So perhaps he won't be able to be the same dynamic force as he was 10 years ago. And, Certainly, he won't run as much as a Rashford, for example. But maybe in those selective moments, he will, and he can be, still be a force. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm really interested. Honestly, I mean, I know we have fun going back and forth with Ronaldo, but I do respect the guy. And I'm really fascinated at how this works out. I hope he doesn't sulk. I hope he buys in. Because, listen, I mean, so far, it seems to be working. I know it's early on in the Ragnick era, but wins are wins, right? And, and they are still not falling too far out of top four football. I wish they, they had the Amazon cameras in there that they were doing a season of all or nothing. Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. To see Ronaldo's first session with Chris Armas and the gag and press gang to teach you how to play better. Hey, by the way, have you seen the uh, the Italian, the Azuri? Um, I'm not sure if it's actually all for one. The Juve? No, no, there's an Azuri one at Euro. Oh, I've not I just seen noticed this. it like two days ago on, on the Azuri at Euro leading Ooh, up to the final. Love it. Yeah, really. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that. There's so many of them. The Brazilian series, I, th- I felt, was very good, but not 
the same level that the the Man City and, and the Spurs one was, where mm-hmm. the Leafs matched that more. Yeah, the series on the Leafs was very much like the Man City one. I thought the first one I saw was the the Washington Capitals years ago, and that's okay. when I, when I first saw the 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 slow motion walk being used a lot. And that was kind of that's funny. It was really good, actually. That was, I think, the first of its kind that I remember seeing. And ever since then, the slow motion walk's been in every one of these these documentary series, right? <laughs> it's really important. And the way they just stretch the show a little bit longer, it just looks dramatic. You know, someone walking can look so dramatic if it's in slow motion. One thing that I love is that how they've allowed. I think you know, Deitch says this that he he doesn't enjoy these shows because he feels as though there's a presentation. Everyone's aware of of the cameras and. In certain situations, you can definitely see that. There's guys, obviously, that in any room that would play up to a camera. But what I love, I feel as though, especially with this Leafs documentary, it's amazing how many F-bombs that they leave in there. I feel like they, uh, the at some point, the players become more comfortable or less aware of the cameras and are more authentically themselves. And they allow that to be captured. Previous series didn't do it the same. I think you're right. But after a while, you must just get so used to the cameras that they're following you the entire season. And they're always there. Eventually, you will get used to them to a certain degree. Now, of course, there's going to be an element that you're aware they're there. But I think as far as your general verbiage and your communication, I mean, hockey players must swear more, I would say, than the average athlete. <laughs> I, I think there's probably more swear words per sentence in the NHL than there is even in football. And because there's more more foreign players, more foreign influence in the Prem, for example, right? Right. That's why I'm not, because I mean, Christ, it was nonstop, right? Yeah, it was nonstop. How do you get the boys fired up? Just drop an F-bomb. Well, great. Thanks. That's pretty inspiring. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Morgan. I haven't finished the um, All or Nothing Juventus series, though. So maybe, you know, a couple episodes in, Giorgio Chiellini starts losing it and he's dropping fangulo all the time <laughs> maybe we'll see on the point of documentary series and what uh this episode would be titled when fred became offensive bloody fred how about that the formation which what did you describe it as a four two 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 i think it's a four two 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 wasn't it that, that is what you said um do you think that maybe because fred has increasingly kind of become more of an offensive threat maybe uh ollie felt that having fred and mctominay wasn't enough because fred's so offensive because, like, he is a goal threat now, Fred. Is he, though? I mean, we've seen him score a couple of goals. He's been taking chances. He he, he takes these chances. And and th- this was another example of, like, uh, usually a player in that position, I think, isn't having a goal like that. And he seems to want to do that more and more. It was a great goal. There's no doubt. And he's certainly feeling confident. But in, in the last match, I forget who it was against now, when, when he, he scored, he'd been terrible to, up until that point. Yeah. Give away central, and then he scores a goal, and then suddenly he's get this... There's wind under his wings and, and he's this offensive force. Maybe, I mean, listen, it often takes a manager to, to, you know, tap the talent in certain players. Maybe he's going to be the next attacking midfielder from Brazil that's going to dominate World Cups and Copa <laughs> Americas and be this legend at Manchester. I, I fear that's not going to be the case, but it's good for him because he's been kind of a bit of a caricature for, for a while there at Manchester United, one of the poster boys for post Fergie, right? Bad signing, too expensive, hasn't performed. So it's good to see him actually do something now, I guess. Yeah, he has been. You're right. And I, I wonder if it's a, a combination of, you know, other players in the squad kind of either filling, I don't want to say filling that role because it's not as though McTominay did maybe more than him, but allowing, I think it's his natural instinct to just be a little more forward thinking that perhaps he was afforded to before. And when he was the, the, you know the authentic uh, and the sole poster child of failure at United. It's because defensively 
things things were falling apart. Uh, maybe that's because he was you know making the wrong decisions, wanting to be a little more muff- offensive, leaving them open. Um, whereas now he feels uh, Fred feels that the the team as a whole can overcompensate for that and uh, and allow him to be a, a little more forward thinking. But like Conte, remember when when they bought Jorginho and Jorginho was keeping Conte out of the squad, and then they were able to play together, and all of a sudden Conte was taking shots from outside the box and he got on the score sheet mm-hmm. a few times. I feel like this is that window right now for Fred. It's like you almost get thrown into this typecast like an actor, right? Because you had some success in a certain role and then it takes a real gutsy move to actually play, expand your role and become, you know, Woody Harrelson. Maybe he's the Woody Harrelson of football. Woody Harrelson was, was, was um, Woody in Cheers. And then at some point someone goes, you know, you'd be really good natural born killers. And it just changes whole career, right? Right. So maybe Ranick is is to Woody Harrelson and to Fred what sorry is to Fred what Natural Born Killers was to Woody Harrelson. I I, <laughs> I, th- I expected just naturally I expected this to turn towards me. I thought you would say something about like me getting an NFL show or uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm the host of uh of MLB TV. Uh, everyone always pigeonholed hold. Uh, Dunlop is the soccer guy, but now look, no, there's there's so much more out there. Maybe so you will be. Maybe you, yeah. Maybe at some point you're hosting NFL on the zone or wherever, and and went well. Remember when he was doing soccer? <laughs> yeah. If there's anything we've learned today, kids, based on the signing of of Chris Armas at Manchester United, is never give up on your dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't let your failures define you. I see a I see a theme here, right? From Armas to Fred. Absolutely. Um. Ralph Ragnick looks amazing for 63. He does. He looks young. He's got a kick in his step, hasn't he? Like, I don't know what, you know, Korean facial creams he uses, but he, he definitely does not look 63 years old. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, I see him being a, like a, a big runner, you know, going for long runs. He's just, a, you know, fitness is obviously a big thing for him. And like long runs when he just like listens to podcasts like ours and just podcasts. so much. <laughs> Yeah, he's that guy that's like, uh, and, and he's going like really far away. Like, oh, oh where was uh, where's Ralph this morning? He's he's been up since five a.m. Oh, he went to Brighton. Yeah, went to Brighton. Yeah, for a run. It's this Sunday morning, forty kilometer run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I run from my home in Cheshire. I'm renting the home from Zlatan. He's getting hammered by the Russian media, by the way. Have you seen that for leaving the way he left? Well, the way he left, he left Russia. Yeah, we made big changes, right? And then uh, he suddenly first chance. He's out of there. I understand why they're upset. I mean, Jesus, they, they, they bought into this guy's plan, and then first chance he gets to go to United, there he goes. Are you surprised about how open he was about and, and kind of publicizing his rejection of Chelsea earlier in the year? Because mm-hmm. on this point, he'd said, like, look, you can't say no to United. I just thought it was funny to talk about a previous job that you didn't take. I guess it's a reason why he didn't take it, right? You know, because he said he can't get his message across in six months in a short-term contract. He would never be an interim manager. Unless it's Manchester United. Unless he, right. I guess that the two-year extended contract for to be a consultant, that's his, his in, I guess, how he convinces himself that this is a better opportunity than Chelsea. I think the, in the way that United is set up, I mean, realistically, you know, and he's the type of person, and this may very well be the case, he'll remove the titles or change the titles, or as I said on a previous episode, perhaps for United, this just allows them the protection to not say, okay, we've we've... We've made a rush decision here, and Ralph's going to be the sporting director for the next two years. It, it allows them to kind of see how this period goes. Because if it is successful, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still in charge next season. You wonder, right? I mean, I, I do wonder what's been done behind the behind the 
scenes with Potch. I mean, obviously, it's been conversations. What's been promised him or, or not? But yeah, I mean, what if? Listen, they did it with Oli. Had a great start as interim, then threw a big contract at him. Excuse me. Right. So, is in. I mean, have they have they learned from that? Is he going to be successful because it's a short term? I, I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting. If they finish top four and they go on this great run, do well in the Champions League. What if they win the Champions League? I wouldn't be surprised if if there's you know some trophy run, some cup run that has us talking come the end of the spring, March and April, um, ab- about him keeping the full time job. I like him being in the Prem though. I mean, he is a fascinating uh, character, isn't he? I think he's really good for the Premier League, and it makes it you know a, a really great story to watch. I mean, Randnick, Ronaldo, Manchester United. Once again, they're kind of box office, aren't they? You know, and and they are to prove to us their box office on the field as far as results. But man, the narratives around that team right now are great. I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad you brought that up that way because did you see Zlatan's quote the other day? He said, everyone thinks of United as a top club, one of the richest and most powerful in the world. But once I was there, I found a small, closed mentality. Wow. I was curious and realized they'd taken a pound off my monthly wage. I have to drink. I can't go on the pitch dehydrated. Can you believe it? A quid? Something like that would never happen in Italy. These are the details that make a difference and earn the respect of the players. So to a quid off his monthly wage? Why? Yeah. For... I, I don't understand this. This is in his brand new autobiography called Adrenaline, which, by the way, I owe you the copy of his previous. You have that still? Well, I, I've had it for years. Were we still at the score? No. It could possibly. It was beaten and battered. So I actually oh. bought you a new version. Oh, you don't have to. Don't worry. You gave me Dero. I got it, buddy. I've got one of your Dero's here. <laughs> actually, no. Actually, the chef in my kitchen has your Dero, actually, right now. Amazing. Thank you for spreading it around. And if those of you are looking for a Christmas gift, Dero My Life, available at all <laughs> Canadian, American, and British major retailers and most local Canadian independent bookstores. It's a page turner. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, last thing I want to say about United One Palace Nil is I feel for Patrick Vieira because his forwards are so snake bitten. I think that Palace are a better team than their record. And, and you know, United played well, but not particularly well. Um, I thought I thought Palace, you know, kind of held their own, um, and and were unlucky not to have scored. Jo- Jordan Ayew had a really good chance early. Oh, have you ever seen a ball come that close to scoring <sighs> without scoring? I thought it was in for sure. There was a there was a couple like that. There was a another game I'll get to at some point. Sometimes you don't get the luck, and I don't think that Patrick Vieira has had much of it so far. He hasn't because he's he's done a great job there. They've been a really great story, and they're a solid team. They're going to be just fine this year for a team that I think a lot of people pick to go down given the changes in the off season but no he's done a, fan, a great job and you know it's funny we mentioned about you know red bull and all the chris armis and all these you know north american influences or well, you know yeah kind of cut his managerial teeth in mls he did and i don't think he left with great reverence around his ability but he's certainly stepped up and proven that he's a good manager at mls cup bound new york city fc that's right yeah after their uh big semi-final win on the weekend the house that patrick built that yeah yankee stadium the house that patrick vihara built that's it um yeah we'll just get that out of the way now then new york city <laughs> fc are in the final they uh a, a big upset over philadelphia and portland beat Real Salt lake two nil at home so you get a portland timbers nyc fc final which is exciting well, castellanos was the golden boot winner for new york city a decent side and they they beat the best teams in the east to to get to the final so you know, good on them to see that that run continue. And I mean, if uh, if they can return a, a trophy for the City Group, that will only mean more investment and more superstar players that end up on the East Coast 
of the United States playing at Yankee Stadium. Let's hope so, because it's a great stadium to watch soccer in, isn't it, B? I'll tell you, the London Stadium <laughs> sounds like a proper ground again. No kidding. The run that West Ham has been on and the, the belief that's in that ground, you can totally feel it. And not to say that you know they're the, the 12th man on the pitch uh, every match, but it definitely feels to me like it it influences the game and pushes the Hammers on to be a better side than they've been in the past. And right now, they're a very good team. It just shows that you know, the fans make the stadium, right, and make the club because for, for the longest time we, we ridiculed this stadium. The fans hated it, had no atmosphere, but the team was also really poor. Suddenly they've got a really good team and they're getting some famous results and the place is just hopping and it's suddenly a good stadium, right, because the fans have brought life into it. So I think it's great and they are a really good team and we thought, well, we didn't think, I think we made tongue-in-cheek comments about, oh, the decline started just to upset Craig, but we didn't really believe that. It's shown enough this year that they're a good side and to go out now and, and beat Chelsea, um, albeit through a very fortunate goal, but regardless, it's a goal. Um, what a fun match that was to watch. That was a fun game. And like we've said that a lot this season about West Ham, which is not something I would have said in a preview show or would have said you know after the summer. Was it possible for West Ham to kick on and be a top 10 side for the entire season? I would have thought that was possible, but not this, not challenging for top four i mean and you look at chelsea they'd won the last five away in the premier league do you think do you think they're going to finish top four or will continue the battle for top four until the end of the season or do you think at some point they're going to drop out a little bit i think they're gonna i think they're gonna drop out of the front seat uh for for fourth place but i think come you know the end of march i think we'll still be talking about them battling for that fourth spot it's, it's these results that they'll that they'll build on such a busy Christmas period, and you know most of the teams have got seven or eight games in the month of December. Like that takes a lot out of you. Um, they're still av- alive in Europe, obviously as well. But at the moment, they've got like a really good, relaxed balance about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. To bounce back in this match and and go toe to toe with Chelsea as they did, and and you say you talk about the match winning goal as perhaps a, a bit of a fluke, just that he was flat footed and had a go at it. You mean? Well, I think as a cross, wasn't it? Half. Well, I didn't see it as a cross. I looked at it as he didn't have an option in front of him and just thought, I'm just going to take a stab at this. And it was kind of like one of those no faith shots. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually have any faith in it. And he just put it in a spot where Mendy couldn't get to it. Mendy was leaning the other I way. Don't know. Who knows? I think he kind of miss, just mishit it. But I, I don't know. Mendy, you know, Mendy's been a bit fragile the last couple of games. Have you noticed that? Like he's been giving the ball away where he wouldn't normally give it away. And I've kind of been expecting this big moment to happen. And we saw it, you know, a couple of times in this game. Um, because he's been so great. He's been such a great signing for them, such a great goalkeeper. And he'll be fine. But every keeper goes through a bit of a rut. They do. And it feels like he's in a bit of a rut right now. And the team's kind of feeding off that a little bit. Yeah. Strange game, obviously. And that foul, you know, you don't see t- too many keepers of, of his or Allison's ilk, you know, kind of make that error, but you kind of get caught in no man's land and yeah. it just happens. Right. So, yeah. And even like the winning goal, I mean, people have, I, I wish Craig was here so we could actually ask him his thoughts. I was about <laughs> to say, yeah, I'm, I'm sure our audience is appreciating you and I talking about this, uh, you know, top class goalkeeper <laughs> decision making. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think they will eventually drop out a little bit, but I'm seeing enough in this team that they're going to be in the in the conversation for for a while. Yeah, they're a really fun team to watch as well. You know, I mean, Lanzini's kind of reawoken from his slumber because he was great. You know, what a couple of years ago now, and he scored back to back goals now, back to back games. You know, and he's really helping the absence of Antonio, who's cooled down, still really an influential player in the field, 
but he's called down. Yeah, considerably. He's not going to win the, the golden boot after all. Um, all those shouts for his England call, and now we're just like, who? <laughs> who? Yeah. Oh, Bowen. Yeah, Bowen. <laughs> yeah, I like Jared Bowen a lot, don't you? Isn't he a great player? He's a fun player. He's a young player. He's so energetic. What a gem. Uh, he, he's good. Do you think Wolves were unlucky to not come away with something against Liverpool? That's what uh, what Bruno Lash said post-game. I, I think, thought, well, yeah. Liverpool did have 17 shot attempts. Yeah, I think any time, though, any time you concede in like the last 30 seconds of added time, you can feel aggrieved. Yeah. But, I mean, listen, Wolves defend so well, but it was almost, in, in some cases, chaotic defending. They are blocking everything. It was very brave. It was. I, I think Liverpool certainly were the better team in that match. They weren't there. They're ruthless, clinical selves. Obviously, Jota, how he didn't score that goal, I don't know. When he when he cut across, the keeper was nowhere to be seen, and he just had to find a way through three uh, three defenders, but found Connor Cody's groin or inside of his thigh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was an entertaining game for what was a nil-nil for much of it. And Wolves, they're a legit team for sure, but Liverpool, I think it's a really important win for them to win that way because they've been just steamrolling teams, which is great and all for your confidence. But now and again, you've got to face a bit of adversity and show that, that ruthless moment, which they, they certainly did in that match. Divock Origi, is he the most ruthless <laughs> super sub? He's like the new uh, Nigel Fairclough, who, uh, David Fairclough, sorry, who was, uh, uh, the, who was called super sub for Liverpool back in the, in the 80s. It's amazing, right? 34 starts in seven years, Divock Origi. And he scored some of the biggest goals in recent memory for this club. <laughs> be it derbies, be it Champions League semis against Barcelona, be it Champions League finals. It's amazing. And I, I love the quotes from Klopp post-match. He goes, I love the boy. He says, I really hope one day he finds a manager that will start him in more games. <laughs> I mean, well, do you want to keep him or not? Are you kind of Because they almost sold him, right? Every summer they almost sell him. They did. But he wants to stick around. He seems quite happy in that role. Right. But he's just not that type of player that Klopp wants to use. He's not Firmino. He's not Jota, obviously. He's he's more of a traditional poacher, it seems, right? Which is just not going to fit that system. Right. Man, I, I think it's great what he does in, in those big moments. In those runs, when in some most of those 34 games when he has started, it's because they've had no other option. And, and Or you see Divock Origi in the starting 11, you think, ah, Liverpool, not the... Not the, the biggest threat today. Oh, they've had to start Origi. Yeah, it's never tactical, is it? It's never a tactical choice to put him in there. Oh, I think we'll be better off with Divock in this game. No, it's like, ah, he needs a run. We're playing, you know, young boys, game five of the Champions League. Yeah, stick him out there. And there's a couple of guys who have shown, you know, incredible skill and uh, have, have been there uh, to, to be on Moments FC or, or been there in, in part of very big moments. And not just because he's his countryman, but I think Mishi Batshuayi is, is much like that as well. But they can't, get a consistent run and, and stick around on after these big money moves. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that I thought was going to earn his place at Chelsea. Mishi Betshuayi. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Every time they were looking for a new fourth, they got a really good one here. Why why not give him a true run? And now he is battling with Kyle Lahren at Besiktas for minutes. Yeah, it's amazing. I guess it's all confidence, right? Or, but you need the opportunity. And you need to run a games too. And we see that in all sports, right? Some of these guys who have a lot of talent, but they're never given that run of games to really find their feet in a, in a certain league. Maybe if Batshuayi had been given a really good run of games or Origi given a really good run of games, there'd be different players than they are today. But they weren't, for whatever reason. You've got to earn those spots too, right? And who knows what happens in training as well, right? You've got to train well to get the manager's eye. Maybe they don't train well in between games. 
So lazy trainers then. Here we go. Maybe. We've got it. Yeah. Belgian frontmen. Lazy in training. There's the headline. <laughs> he, he scores in these these big moments or late in games to earn that title of, of super sub. Makes you wonder, <laughs> like Klopp, if he'll ever have a manager that wants to start him. Well, doesn't that make you a little bit nervous when you hear these rumors of John David going to Liverpool or, or a big club? It makes me a little bit nervous. Not that I don't think he's good enough and can't you know, cut his teeth in the big league, but he, he needs that run of games. He needs that confidence. And would he go there and become just a bit player? Would he be the new Divock Origi? Right? I don't know. Possibly. Maybe he'll be the next Mo Salah. Don't know. But there's always that when a player makes that big step, you've got to be strategic about it and be really confident in your ability. Right. And, you know, Liverpool are in that category where, you know, look at Jota, who only recently has kind of cemented himself on the on the team sheet every week. You're you're battling for places, you know, against yep. you've, you've got these teams that have 26 players that would start, you know, on almost any other team in the Premier League. Um, I think Jonathan David going to Liverpool at this time would be a mistake because he would be the new Divock Origi. I think that would be that would be tough for him at, at 20, 21. So. I've said this many times. I would much rather see Liverpool get killing Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, but they ain't paying that. I feel like they're not out of that league. They, they write they write checks. Well, team-wise, quality-wise, ambition-wise, for sure. But I just don't... They're not going to spend that money. They're not in that $150 million range, I don't think. He's going to Real Madrid. How can they afford it? Well... They'll find a way. <laughs> the weekly wage is that I think affects things more so than any transfer fee for for teams like that. And this is what I think Liverpool's hesitation would be changing the dynamic of the room. If you bring mm-hmm. Mbappe in on 390, 400, or shit, maybe it's more, then how can Jordan Henderson make 100? Yeah. I know. You know, and, and Liverpool were always kind of in that tier below the others, much like Spurs is kind of in that lower tier of weekly wages that you bring in a player like that and it changes the entire dynamic of the room. Do you consider Liverpool a super club? Do you not because of the wage structure? Yeah, and, and that's, I think they're... And not, I'm not saying from a footballing standpoint or a you know, history standpoint. I'm saying you got PSG, you got Real Madrid, you got Man City. Maybe you can put Chelsea in there. Just teams that don't really care about finances at all. There's mm-hmm. not really a, a budget per se. I'm not saying they've been, you know, reckless. These, I mean, City's done really well in the market. They've they've signed the right players at good prices, but the, Liverpool's not going to compete financially with those clubs. I think they're a tier below there as far as the, the talent they can attract. Um, you know, even when they went out and got Virgil Van Dijk for 75 million and, and Allison, right? They still sold Coutinho for 120, whatever it was. So it wasn't like they're just outlaying that money, right? They offset that. Mm-hmm. Well. If they win the Premier League this this season, maybe they'll feel they have to spend to stay at that level. Um, that there's only so many bargain buys I think that you can find to continue to elevate and grow. Well, they're not a young team now, right? They're actually a pretty old team by the, the you know <laughs> compared to a lot of teams. Twenty, I think I heard was in the broadcast in the derby last week. The average age is twenty eight. Wow, and they're in their prime. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but Salah's approaching thirty. He's up for a new contract. Mm-hmm. Money's not old. They're all in their prime. Don't get me wrong. They're not you know, close to you know, the decline just yet, but it's on the horizon in the next two or three years probably. So what do you do? Do you get younger? Do you just ride this out? I think you ride it out. You sign Salah because he's one of those guys. He's so fit. He's a specimen, right? I think he'll, he'll play for a few more years, I think, at a very high level. I think you ride it out. I agree. And he's you know, a part of the fabric of the club, very much so. 
And, and and it would have to take something wild, I think, to to get to a point where you're like, you know what? Okay, it's time. Salah can go. I, I'm thinking to Thierry Henry when Thierry Henry left Arsenal for Barcelona. And I think a lot of Gunners, Schooners were sad to see that era end. But Arsene Wenger knew that the time was right. And he was he was right about it, right? Yeah, of course. And he brought in, was it Van Persie? I guess Van Persie would have would have uh, succeeded, yeah. You know, right, didn't he? He did do okay. So you just don't get this Barcelona, you know, core run or this run of core players. I mean, um, too often um, mm-hmm. t- for me, you know, that that Barcelona um, core of Xavi and Iniesta. I, would you throw Busquets in there? Messi, Piquet, Piquet. Yeah, you really don't get a core group that runs four, five, six seasons. It's very rare, and especially players that came through their academy. I mean, they that was their class in '92. Yeah, very much so. United had it. It's funny, I was watching uh, the broadcast this weekend, Paul Scholes, and just, you know, realizing that he only played for one manager <laughs> in his career, right? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, obviously, he's a one-club man, which is very rare, but to play for one manager as well. I mean, when he's talking about changes in the room when you bring a new guy, I'm thinking, actually, Scholes, what do you know about this? You played on the <laughs> one guy. Yeah, good point. I hadn't thought of that, actually. Um, he was on the broadcast after United had won, and then Michael Carrick immediately resigned, and he'd said, I didn't even know that was happening. You know? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. However, however, 2018, Scholes came out of retirement at the age of 43 to play a match for his son's team, Royton Town, of the Manchester Football League Premier Division. So he has played with another manager at... At Royton Town. I'm assuming it wasn't Fergie. No. So yeah, I stand corrected. Wow. Paul Scholes, the Gordie Howe of the Premier League. <laughs> That's right. Playing with his boy. Love it. He's going to play in every decade. Yeah. He's he's going to play on his grandson's team when he's in a, in a few years, when he's got a shot. Talking about players and, and how there are some clubs that you know, have a luxury of options. Uh, Man City have about 40 players that would probably start on most teams around the world. But look, Phil Foden and Jack Grealish can play together. A rarity to see them in the starting eleven. Uh, Foden set up Sterling's opening goal. That's Raheem Sterling, I think, another player that we look at and expect to to start on most teams. But he went through a real run there where it looked like Pep wasn't going to give him a go, and now I don't think that Pep can justify taking him out of the team. No, I know it's interesting, isn't it? English, all English front three, love it. And when we're talking about you know who's who's the favorites to win this thing, and it's still City, just because they can put out that eleven without without you know. Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez and without Gabriel Jesus, you know, without John Stones and just still be a dominant, wonderful, slick machine. That depth is just, I think it's probably unparalleled in world football, isn't it? City's depth. You know, you look at the other super clubs, you know, have all this money they're spent on, on their players. I think depth wise, I mean, they literally are too deep, almost too deep world-class at every position. Almost, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Almost. And that, that's the reason why I was so hell-bent on you know seeing them as the clear-cut favorites at the start of the season. Remember Deitch and I getting in an argument, I was I was stunned that he didn't see it that way. He has Chelsea, right, didn't he? He picked Chelsea, and he just he thought that Romelu Lukaku was the absolute difference maker, and, and then clear-cut what made them better. Not so far. Maybe he thinks they got too many options. Yeah, maybe. That City got too many options, and, and it's hard to, to balance that. You got... Too many cooks in the kitchen, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. But City, Leapfrog, Liverpool, uh, and Chelsea to sit top of the table. And um, they might not come off it for a little while, I think, in this run that they're on. I think you're right. Who, who's, what's that schedule like coming up? I mean, Christmas is interesting, right? You can pull away, actually, at times. They won't have a hard one because they're City. 
they can't have a hard schedule. <laughs> they have maybe a, a more challenging schedule. Here we go. So City, next up, they play obviously Leipzig in the Champions League. They're uh, hosting Wolves next week, which, uh, as we know, Wolves can be trouble, but they should win that. Then they've got Leeds, then Newcastle, Leicester, Brentford. That's over Christmas. Then Arsenal. Then Arsenal, Chelsea over New Year's. Uh, obviously, there's an FA Cup week in there as well. Uh, but yeah, there's, a pre- there's, there's, there's some pretty winnable games for Man City <laughs> coming up, put it that way. So they're going to be in first place for a while, you're right. But it's interesting, those games coming at the end. You said that that's over, over New Year's, Arsenal and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Well, well, so, you, uh, so Arsenal is Chelsea is not till the 15th. There's the FA Cup in there. Oh, okay. Um, but I was going to say that they could show some fatigue by that point. Have, having big, those games at the end of a busy run, but having those games at the end, obviously oh, those, those are the big yeah. ones. I see having saying, those yeah. games at the end of a busy fixture, um, I think you know you, when you're a team like City, fatigue will can still play a factor. I think, but they'll but they'll rotate so much. I mean, Chelsea will be in the same boat, right? Arsenal right. will be in the same boat without the depth. Mm-hmm. The way Bernardo Silva is playing, as Pep Guardiola calls him the best player in the Premier League, as he was two seasons ago, he says. There's another player that they won't be able to take out of the squad. I mean, that that first goal was from the tightest of angles, and he just didn't quit. Yeah. He's amazing. He really has. And a player that last year we thought might be on the way out. Wasn't happy. There were rumors in the offseason that he was leaving, wasn't there? There was, yeah. And he's just, you know, I don't know, you, you give him a lot of credit, you give Pep a lot of credit. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're, okay, so let's say you're starting a brand new club, B, right? And you can pick any player in the Premier League to start that team's build. Who are you going for right now? Because he's in the conversation for that, right? Has to be. I think I'm going Salah still, but I tell you what, you can't really go wrong if you pick Bernardo Silva. I would go Salah as well. And I think with Silva, for me, I see these moments of inconsistency. And it's really unfair because obviously it's a totally different setup and a different situation for Portugal. But, he is, a sh- and much like Bruno Fernandes was at this the Euros, he's a shadow of that player. So I haven't seen the full dynamism. And I also think that, you know, there's a reason, uh, I'm a world-class player, don't get me wrong, and different time of his life. But there's a reason that he didn't get the first-team opportunity at Benfica, like so many other great prospects do. And so there's, there's some element of his game that they didn't see at that time. And um, you know, he, he's evolved his game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking a shot at him, but I, I think that there's, he, he's not quite in that conversation yet. Much like, you know, it took Salah, I think a, a season or two. He had to show with another stellar season at Liverpool that he was world class and at that level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the longevity I think is important. You can have a guy that pops up and has a great few months. He's got to do it over time. The track record, like it took, it took mm-hmm. Salah a long time to prove that he was world class, and now there's no, there's no doubt. Well, I think, I think we just didn't believe it with Salah. He always was world class, but having seen what he did at Chelsea, which wasn't much, and then he showed, turned heads at Roma. Okay, well, remember when they signed? I thought, oh, that's nice, Salah, he's a decent player. But that first year at Liverpool, he was so great. I don't think we completely bought into this guy being a guy that's going to be a perennial twenty goal scorer, and he's he's proven that to us for sure. Correct. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it took a while. All that, that self doubt. Ah, he can't be this good. Surely. I saw him at Chelsea. He was useless. And then, boom, here we are now, four, what, four years later, whatever it is. And he's, you know, at this moment in time, I saw a debate on this on the weekend in one of the broadcasts saying, at this moment in time, he is the best player in the world. Yes. And it's not, not to say that he is, he's not better than Messi. He's not. But at this moment in time, taking this weekend and, this current little time in the season, 
there's no one playing better football in the world than Mo Salah. Except Bernardo Silva, according to Pep Guardiola. There's <laughs> a debate to be had there, for sure. God, I just hope that he and Jota can score some goals against Turkey and Italy in March. How the hell? Uh, yeah, we, we, we had, yeah, we discussed that. All these players you mentioned, these individuals you're mentioning, how the hell Portugal are where they're at, I, I don't know. You know what? It's Ronaldo's fault. He can't. He's the problem. All these guys are brilliant, but they're just too much of a focal point on, on Ronaldo. Well, he's definitely the the common denominator. I'll say that he's he's the uh, he's the factor as as to why it is so different. They they can't play, you know, with a front three front three in that style. Give me one second. My my dog has appeared with one of my daughter's stuffies in his mouth. Uh oh. A few moments later, what would have happened if I just saved this from a awful death? Is that one of the dogs from Paw Patrol? I don't think so. I don't know what it is. It's not a dog. So many. Many of these bloody things. No, it's not a Paw Patrol thing. She's past Paw Patrol. She's pretty past stuffies too, to be honest with you. But she, uh, she's hanging on. This is Porsche. I'm a Boston Terrier. You can take me anywhere in the car. I sit in your lap or right beside you when you nap. What you've listened to, Cody Primers, <laughs> is James Sharma winning Father of the Year award for rescuing <laughs> Porsche from the jaws of his giant Saint Bernard oh, mix. Is, is that what she is? No, Bernie's Burmese, mountain dog mix. Love it. She's been. She hasn't been walked this morning yet, and she's being a. Sh- what is she doing? <laughs> Sorry, she's something else. I got to walk her after this. Yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, well, I'll. I'll pick up the pace here. We can uh, wrap up some of the rest <laughs> of these games. Um, Spurs three, Norwich nil. Lucas Mora was absolutely outstanding. That goal. He had four orange shirts around him. It reminded me so much of that epic Champions League semifinal goal against Ajax. Mm-hmm. Pure, pure class. Here's another guy that has shown world class ability, but hasn't been consistent enough to earn the world class tag. I think, but when he brings it out, God, oh, I mean that goal. I mean, he got all of it. I mean, talk about putting your laces through the ball. My God, he just blasted that top shelf. I love that goal as well. The old give and go, and then the patience. It, it was superb. And you know, Harry Kane isn't Harry Kane right now, but he's still not playing horribly. He's not nope. finishing, but he's playing quite well. And and now actually, he's not the focal point so much. So. I think Spurs are doing some good things at the moment, and Hongmin Son is just doing what he always does. It seems they're okay, and they're what I think they're a point or two back of fourth with a game in hand. They're unbeaten in the Premier League under Conte, and you know, talking about Kane not being the focal point, I think that's what Spurs recognize that they needed, and what would be impossible under uh, Nuno Espirito Santo was to to take the spotlight off because it was, you know, how is this going to work with Kane wanting to leave? They started off very poorly. Uh, Nuno seemed to just play more and more conservative and and be afraid, and it just seemed totally broken. But you bring a new manager in who has clearly empowered a lot of other players on the team, and, yeah, now we're not talking about that. And Kane almost had a goal, that first-half chip shot. I thought he was going to put that in. Surprised that he didn't. Um, Does he look thinner to you, Kane? I was thinking, I don't know if he's just got like a new lineup. He got like a tighter haircut, but I thought he looked maybe. thinner watching that game. Yeah, maybe. He's, maybe like he's, he's lost a bit of weight. Maybe he's put a few pounds back on. You know when someone's been sick? I feel like you're like this. When you've been away from work for a few days, you're sick. You come back and you look 10 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. That's That was the vibe I was getting from Harry Kane. I, I need to get sick more often then in that case. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But I'll tell you this much, though. When people question managers and the influence managers have on teams and do we really I think people say do you actually need managers you know just put the players in. clearly play, managers get the most out of their players good ones right because this is although they're not 
the finished product by any stretch, they're certainly a different unit now than they were pre-Conte, clearly. So he's doing something right, that's for sure. FIFA's always looking for new ways to make money and cash in on the, the golden goose that they have. Why don't they have, instead of a World Cup every two years, we should have a small international tournament in between the World Cups, a small international tournament with no managers. <laughs> that would be amazing. And yeah. Just let the players, and, and if you really want to go crazy, we'll make it 7v7. You think it'd be better, be more fun? I think it'd be better football. That's tactical. There'd be a lot of fights, be a lot of infighting. Yep. I think, you know, oh, yeah. Craig was talking about insurance being a problem with international federations back in the day. There's no insurer that would want to jump on a managerless tournament where the players run the show <laughs> It'd themselves. It'd be so much fun, though, wouldn't it? It'd be, oh, yeah. I guess you always see leaders rise to the top, and there probably would be managers within the group. It just happens, right? We were talking about misses earlier, and I said that there was one kind of epic miss, standout miss um, for, for me. Uh, it was Adam Ida in that Spurs Norwich game. But Pookie, I didn't see that. Miss, Pookie miss hit this ball, and Adam Ida was in the six yard box. And he, he late reaction, he wasn't expecting it. Uh, and he just, all he had to do was put it straight on, and somehow he put it back towards Pookie and missed the net. I, I mean, Norwich had a number of chances, right, in that game, in fairness, right? I'm happy for Dean Smith. Yeah. He's got a big. He's got a big job. Sorry, my dog's being a jerk again. Sorry. Oh no problem. You can go sort it out. One second, okay. Sorry, he's chewing up my blanket now. A few moments later. <laughs> sorry, I've got this this old blanket like I've had my entire life. My grandma made it for me when I was like I don't know how old. And she sewed these patches on and these badges. And this asshole dog is chewing it. So sorry, I'm, I'm, I've moved it now. That's her way of telling you, listen, Dad. I know usually <laughs> that you take me for a walk before ten thirty a.m. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're on that stupid technological device talking to some loser in his middle bedroom about Premier League games from the weekend. Young dogs, you know about it, but young dogs, they're not exercised, they're jerks, and it's purely my fault for not getting out first in this morning as usual. Anyway, sorry, we'll be talking about Mrs. Pookie, Norwich, yeah, Dean Smith, he's got a tough job there, we know that. I think they're still going down. (laughs) I think they're still going down too. Uh, They're bottom of the... His replacement, by the way, at Aston Villa, you must be pretty happy. Not to sorry to take over the hosting duties here, but I know you're gagging to get to this gun. Wow, what a what a great performance! Brilliant transition. It's like you and I have chemistry or something because it was next in the lineup. Three wins in four since Stevie D took over. Uh, Villa back in the top half of the table, and uh, yeah, I mean Leicester are a team that have been at this level for a couple of seasons that Aston Villa believe they should be at and wish they should you know that that they were at. And I think to beat them. Um, in this run now here, having changed managers in the middle of the season, this is a really big boost ahead of a very, you know, hectic uh, December time coming up for Stevie G in the club. And, and he, he's saying how he had to yell at the team at halftime and really give him, you know, a wake up call. And, and we've seen really good second half performances from this team. So I think Stevie G is the real deal. I think he's going to be a really great manager and he's getting the most out of these players. Um, you know, Nakamba was really good. Marvelous, you would say. Marvelous Nakamba. What a freaking name, eh? Amazing. <laughs> really good. John McGinn's always been good, right? Um, but Ollie Watkins looks reborn as well. You know, is looking better. He's not, I think, to the heights that you'd hoped he would be when you pay, what, 40 million for him, wherever it was. Um, Ramsey looks like a kid that's going to be something pretty special. So overall, I like Villa a lot right now. They're going to be a top half team. And uh, there's a time there that <laughs> that was very much in doubt. You often see with a new manager, one or two players have this bump 
you know, and sometimes it's they're mm-hmm. trying to keep their place. They're they're more worried. They're looking to impress, looking to get more minutes, whatever it is. With Villa, there's five or six guys that you've can, you've seen in the last four games, these four games under Stevie G, that have really kicked on and pushed to another level. And then he's been able to bring out a, th- a little more in other guys that you know have had it and maybe just you know weren't able to be used. With Watkins, for example, Ollie Watkins, in in my opinion, is the hardest working player in the Premier League. I would love to see the stats and the miles he puts on. I I, I don't know if there's a if there's a forward that runs more in Europe than Ollie Watkins. Like that's that's a player that um, not not to say that he should be a Manchester United player, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Ralph Ragnick managed team was always on the phone looking for a forward like that. Like he he absolutely is that model. Those numbers must be out there somewhere, how much he runs. I'm sure you can find them. Let's try and find them for Wednesday's podcast. We can barely barely find scores and Wikipedia pages in a quick <laughs> no, time. And you think we'll we're pulling up Craig those? On the, on the Beach on the job. They'll yeah. find them. Hey, Wonger, look this up. Look look this up for us, okay? <laughs> but you're right. But you know what I think part of it is? with the, You mentioned the, the new manager bump and how I think this, this is more than that. Is that These are young players who probably as kids watched Steven Gerrard. Right. And, you know, as a kid, you just elevate these players way above their station. They're your superheroes. And no matter who you've supported, they probably love Steven Gerrard and they worshipped him. And now here they are now being coached by him. When he yells at them at halftime, they're freaking listening. Like, Is this Steven Gerrard? I'm sure that's a part of it as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I bet you if you asked Ezra Kanz at that point blank, he'd tell you. He, I, I think he'd, he'd fit in that category. And he's someone who's played considerably better. He scored both goals, right? Yeah, the first one was Buendia. It was he just got a toe on it, and it was. Uh, but it was Buendia's header that was that was going in, and then they they looked at it because it seemed as though Conza was offside. I thought they were going to call it back. To be honest, I didn't think they were going to call back that Jacob Ramsey goal, saying that Casper mm-hmm. Schmeichel had possession of it. How can you? Yeah. How can you have control of the ball with one hand on top of it? I know. I agree. The rules are really murky, right? Regarding that, it should be if it's between the ground or a person, it's considered under control. I know it's very odd. Again, if only we had an ex Premier League goalkeeper that'd be able to talk about this with, but. <laughs> On another show, I guess. Uh, Leeds 2, Brentford 2. Has Wonger officially adopted Brentford? I think he has, yeah. We should give him a little quiz on Brentford on the next show and find out. Do you think he would know uh, who Thomas Frank is? No. Do you know what country Thomas Frank is from? Uh, He's German, isn't he? No, I thought I thought that as well. And I thought, no, it's somewhere else. It's somewhere like Liechtenstein or like one of those places. No, he's he's Danish. Is he Danish? Yeah. Thomas Frank? Okay, well, I guess so. That, that could work. Two two first names. He, must be the only any Danish coaches in the Premier League history. In Premier League history? Ooh, that's a great question. You know who was in for the the Villa job? And if Rangers had given more of a pushback or if Stevie oh. G, I think, wasn't game for it? Casper Yulman. Oh, yeah. he's he's Yeah, where and is he right now? He's not still in charge of Denmark? I don't know. He, he, he was the really Den- Den- Denmark coach at the Euros. He was the coach of the Christian Eriksen team. Yeah, is he? Did he not leave? I, I, I'm getting confused, probably with my that part Danish coaches. Yeah, uh, <laughs> clearly, yeah, yeah. not that many well, of them. It's I, I always struggle to like to find him online because I never remember how to spell that name because mm-hmm. it's pronounced Yulman, but it's not written like that at all. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I didn't think that we'd be talking about. <laughs> Danish coaches. <laughs> he is, he is, Kasper Yulman is still the head coach of the He's Danish national okay. team. All right, fair enough. 
my whole point in bringing him up was that of all of the managers tossed about there, and, and Stephen Gerrard being one of them at the time, and initially when Dean Smith was let go, he was the one I was most intrigued about. And it mm-hmm. was because, you know, though he didn't have Premier League coaching experience, any manager that was able to get out of the situation that Denmark was in, get that, what that team got and get through to the semifinals, play in which the way they did, galvanize mm-hmm. the room. That's a guy I want in my room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In my change room where you're being galvanized and pushing on is, has been a problem. That's a guy that I feel like, you know, should should get a, an opportunity to uh, to do it in a, in a top flight league. But who knows? Uh, obviously, yeah. we've had the conversation with with um, John Herman in the past that international football is very much its own breed, its own craft mm-hmm. and different. So whether Casper Yulman wants the day to days of club management, I guess he might not. time will tell. Newcastle off the bottom, eh, buddy? Finally. Yeah. Only took them 15 games to win one. I know. Finally, eh? God, Burnley could be going down this year, but of course, we said that every year around this time. And they find a way to pull a result out the bag at some point to get just above the drop zone. But good for Newcastle. Yep. Just gearing up for that that massive January transfer window when they, they buy everyone and, and stave off relegation. Yeah. When Kylian Mbappe comes in in January and saves yeah. the day. <laughs> um, I felt bad for Burnley because I thought that Jay Rodriguez goal was going to stand. Um, in the live, I didn't see the offside threat at all, but they uh, they disallowed it for for being offside. And it's unfortunate for Burnley because the Nick Nick Pope was very good. One of those keepers on a on yeah. a team that isn't necessarily very good um, pulls out a lot of good matches, a lot of good results, but um, spilled that. And Callum Wilson jumped all over it to smash it home. He's the only person scoring. For Newcastle, and come January, no one will know who he is because he'll be buried on the bench. Nope, I like yeah, exactly. And I like Callum Wilson a lot. Just always injured. I like the John Joe Shelby's getting run out because it's, it's fun to watch. If nothing else, you never know what's <laughs> going to happen. But uh, yeah, hey, listen, Eddie Howe. At some point, they had to win, right? Let's be honest, they had to win at some point. First win of the season, and likely against Burnley was a pretty good bet because Burnley are so inconsistent. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder if Tarkovsky could be on the way to Newcastle in the in the window as well. So maybe there was a little bit of intrigue there. Ooh, uh, intrigue in Germany and Bundesliga, buddy. Der Klassiker, Bayern uh, <laughs> later winners, I guess. So not not that late, but uh, Ballon d'Or snub Robert Lewandowski with two goals and in uh, Bayern with a three-two win away to their rivals in what was not a full stadium because they're going towards empty stadiums again in the Bundesliga as uh, COVID rears its ugly head on football again or the world. Not to not to isolate it based on how we see the world through football, but. You know, it, it, speaking about the fans and the big impact it does make, we know how great those atmospheres can be in the Bundesliga. It's disappointing that they've gone back to that. Yeah, it is, of course. Um, what, 15,000, whatever it was? But uh, Jude Bellingham in a bit of hot water, of course, post-match. You know, you can look at a lot of the decisions in the game. You know, you give a, a referee that's, you know, match-fixed before the biggest game in Germany. What do you expect? I mean, I love players who speak their mind. It's great we need more of that. But this is just an 18-year-old kid caught up in the moment and probably shouldn't be doing that. Is this referee? So the scandal was some referee got done accepting bribes and ma- fixing matches. This guy wasn't in it; he was implicated because he knew about it and didn't say anything. So he ah. got a six-month ban. The other guy got a jail term. This guy got a six-month ban, and uh, that's what Bellingham was referring to when he says, "You know, what should we expect? You know, this guy's has a history of match fixing." <laughs> Jesus, dude! And now the police are investigating. Apparently, I don't know what the hell that's about, but yeah. It was a surprising reaction, but hey, like us, Jude Bellingham can read the internet, and uh, like many people, he only read the headline and didn't go deeper into the story. So I'm glad you, journalist exactly. James Sharman, spell it all out for us. No, not <laughs> not on the top of Declan Hill's watch list. 
<laughs> no, no. Well, exciting uh, title battle maybe to to watch for the rest of the season. Mine's four points up in Dortmund now, so that was obviously a huge win for them. Dortmund's always lurking around. Leverkusen in third and 27, seven points back at first. Not as tight this year as it usually is um, because there's nine points between Bayern and uh, Freiburg who are in, in fourth. Uh, but in the last couple of years, and that before the COVID um, stoppage, there was there was a five horse title race. Remember when they came back? There was there was five yeah. teams in it when they'd yeah. come back for those those last eight games. Of course, Bayern ran ran the gauntlet. And I think they won out, but not bad for a two host show, buddy. I think we can finish this one up. You can go Jesus, and walk we, your we, dog. We, we were saying before, let's just do half an hour. You know, the two of us, and maybe an hour, over an hour, and <laughs> well. I want to thank the listeners for putting up with us and you, James Sharman, for enjoying my company. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And by the way, congratulations, Pacific FC. And Palm Motor Car comes in and upsets the Apple Car in, in CPL action. So good for you. It's good for the league. It is good for the league. The the, uh, the purple wave, uh, not to be confused with the political purple wave in this country, but in, in soccer terms, uh, the purple wave from Vancouver Isle, it, it, was, it was great to see. And they got a very good team. Um, Pamir Dukha is a, you know, a real up-and-coming manager. There was a story this week about he was very much in consideration for the FC Dallas job. Um, I would be surprised if he's still at Pacific next season. So good on him for, for winning a, a title with a, a, a group of players that um, – a lot of people had counted out. You know, there's a, there's a throughout the Canadian Premier League. There's a lot of um, academy uh, rejects, um, um, MLS academy. You know, um, what's a what's a more flattering term than rejects? Than reject um, <laughs> um, products, just academy Former MLS academy products. Mud, there you uh, go. Mud trackers. Um, there's other words to use. Tractor boys. Um, there's, there's lots of other words you can use better than rejects. That's that sounds. A, a, although tractor boy doesn't sound that much more flattering. That's a rugby term, actually. Yeah, I think it's more rugby. Yeah, guys that don't make necessarily the, the big time or the first team, but they're just out there working hard. Regardless, there's a lot of talent in the Canadian Premier League, and uh, to some people's surprise, um, it's not only in Hamilton. There, there are, there are other stars through, uh, throughout the league there, and uh, it's, it's nice to see someone else with their hands on the trophy because I think it'll make for a very competitive and exciting fourth season in the Canadian Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, B, I, I better go then because I, I think my dog might start eating the other animals in the house if I don't move soon. Chewing on the walls now, so that, that's a good sign to go. All right, we'll get back in the 10-minute week, buddy. Thanks, Bill. Enjoyed that. Cheers. To quote you, cheers for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 